blossoming, blossoming moments. A warm welcome everyone to Today I'm Alive. I'm your host, Margaret Abedin. Thank you for joining me today. Today, I have a special, special guest, Kevin Hill, here to share his amazing, unbelievable story of how he healed after dying twice. Wow, wow. Welcome, Kevin. Would you like to tell us a bit more about yourself before we dive into your incredible story? Hi, thank you, Margaret, for having me on to this show and this opportunity. Thank you so much for that. Okay. Um, I'm 55 years old and I spent one year in the hospital between, well, about the summer 21 to summer 22. So I came out of the hospital September 22. So I was in the hospital for one whole year and I had a super, super rare condition and uh, which I'm going to tell you a bit about today. Um, I'm, I'm married. I have four teenage children, two girls, two boys. So that keeps me busy sometimes. <laughs> and uh, just sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And um, well, yes, I mean, from what you're saying there, um, et cetera. Yes, I think what the audience would really like to know, I mean, <clears throat> an incredible story. I mean, I read it and I, I think it's a paper called New Life. And yes. the title was, I think, was it in bold colors? Heed after I died twice. And that was you. I mean, it's such an incredible story. And this is why I think people like yourself who come onto this platform, you know, really value life. And this is why the title Today I'm Alive, because we go through so much trauma or whatever we have gone through, but then how we've managed to heal and come back and share with others. So this is why, you know, I think this story will such a, make such an impact on people. So could you tell us exactly what happened, the type of illness um, that you had that had you in this hospital for, for one year, um, Kevin? So some people collect coins, some people collect stamps. I collect rare or super rare conditions. And they've all played a part in what happened. So um, one of my conditions is called MEN1, MEN1, which is multiple endocrine neoplasia. Mm -hmm. And that has affected my pancreas and my parathyroids. So um, I have tumors on my pancreas and mm -hmm. I have had to have all four of my parathyroids taken out. But they put a bit into my arm so that that would regulate my calcium levels. But that failed so much. And, that, you know, and so I have to have um, medicine, calcium medicine every day for that. Another rare condition is that I was born, I didn't know this until just a couple of years ago, but I was, you know, when all this happened, I was born with my valve only had two parts. Mm -hmm. So all valves usually have three parts. So I had a rare condition where I had two parts. Yes. And uh, because that was only two parts, that became ineffective and slowed down over the years. And it got to the stage where it slowed down and it caused water retention in around my heart my lungs mm. and my legs uh, my legs began to swell and swell yeah. and swell and one leg was 
those rivers of water, fluid, whatever it is, just coming out of my leg. Mm -hmm. And I could hardly walk, mm -hmm. I could hardly breathe. Mm -hmm. And the, the G, I went to the GP and the GP turned, I took, took three months to, for me to get the appointment. Mm -hmm. And the GP turns around and said, what are you doing here? You're wasting my time. I was like, what? Mm -hmm. How can you do this? And he wouldn't see me, he refused to see me. Yes. And even the A&E, they sent me home five times, five times didn't do anything they didn't consider me serious and um, when each time I mean this could have killed me at any time because of mm. the pressure on, on my heart and so that caused massive blisters we're talking dinner plate size blisters in my thighs and my mm. um, from my knees to my ankles so I had four of these massive blisters and eventually I got got seen by the coronary care unit and they just took one look at my legs and they were like you're in hospital straight away you're not even going home didn't have chance. I didn't have any bags I didn't have night clothes nothing oh. here so mm. I had to call my wife and say can you bring me all this stuff <laughs> so but I finally got into in, into the hospital mm -hmm. and um I lost 65 kg of water weight alone. Ooh, I mean, wow. My wife, my wife doesn't even weigh 65 kg. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm sure she won't yeah. mind me saying that. But that's how much water weight I lost. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> not here, yeah. so I can. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, that's a lot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, while you were telling the um the story, describing, is there a name that they've given your your illness or your disease? What is the name that you know? Sometimes we have an umbrella with all these different sectors of illness or whatever. Is there one name that will define it so the audience can get can understand? I mean, there's multiple things that occurred from what you just described. It, but is it one one um name that the doctor gave that sort of um you know illness that you you had? Later on, I got a super rare condition, and this is what I'm talking about, the mainly talking about, mm -hmm. um, and that was called calciphylaxis. Calciphylaxis. Mm -hmm. Calciphylaxis. It took me a long time to pronounce that. <laughs> um, but because I was in hospital and my legs had massive blisters, my heart valve needed to be replaced because it was not working mm -hmm. so all these things together and when I was in the hospital the doctors there said we're doctors we know uh, but we've never heard of this MEM one so they stopped my calcium medication mm -hmm. so my calcium level went through the roof I had these massive blisters which they popped they, they, took, the, they took the liberty of popping them when I went for Ooh. the operation Mm -hmm. So, so I came out of the the operation from my heart valve, and um, all my legs were bandaged from my ankle right up to my hips. Wow. And I'm like, I failed biology pretty much, but mm -hmm. I, <clears throat> I'm pretty sure that my heart is in my chest and not in my legs. Why are my legs so bandaged up? Mm -hmm. And then later they told me it was calciphylaxis, and. Um, Calciphylaxis is so rare, super rare. Mm -hmm. I am one in five people in the whole of UK, just five of us have this. Wow, and wow. Because, you know, Kevin, Kevin, 
Kevin, I've never ever heard of that that word, you know. And just as you said, it Kasipalasi is sort of difficult to pronounce. So I I can see yeah. how very rare that is. Um, is yes. So once you got in the hospital and they discover all this, what is it that happened? Because I read also that you stayed a year. You mentioned that earlier, but you stayed a year in the hospital. So I think it'd be lovely if you can really share by saying yeah, a year. What is it that happened there? What is it that we're trying to revive, etc.? That's a long time, Kevin, and I'm sure this is something that needs to be shared, a year in hospital. So could you share that with us, please? Because my legs were so bad, uh, I was bed-bound, couldn't move. This calciphylaxis is dead skin eating away your live skin, so it's excruciatingly painful. And it's, it was constant pain, but it was eating away my muscles, eating away my skin. And so my legs were just disappearing, basically, mm-hmm. and just getting eaten away. So I, I couldn't walk. I couldn't get out of bed even. And there were some good days. There were some bad days. There were some weird days. <laughs> <laughs> and when you are doing your routine, no matter what day, what month, whatever, you get up, you have breakfast, you have a wash, mm-hmm. you see the doctor for five minutes at the most, you have all your sort of, um, observations, they check your blood pressure and stuff like that, and then you have your food, you have your medicine. That, if you add all that together, it's less than an hour of contact. And was, wow. I had this during COVID, so I had no visitors. Ooh. So that meant about 23 hours of that day I was on my own, wow. in a bed, in my own room. Right. And some days it really sent my mind crazy. It really did. Um, where I come from, it, it's, we say whoppy. So I was like, oh, my head's gone really whoppy. Cause it just, it was such so weird, you know, like that. And uh, yeah, but every day was the same. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I can imagine, as you said, during COVID-19, I mean, was your close family allowed to visit you? Did you have television, anything to see what was happening in the external world? Could you share that? Is there anything there that, you know, just kept you aware that there is something happening externally? I know you're there by yourself, Kevin, but what is it that happened? Family visit or anything like that was was um, powered on to you? There, there was a time when, um, because of COVID, no family members were allowed to visit. So no family members, I had no TV. And because of the condition, I couldn't concentrate very much. So I didn't use my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't read newspapers or magazines, anything like that, no books. And wow. uh, so it was just me and my thoughts. And uh, yeah, some of that was really crazy. Some of that was fun and good <laughs> and some of it was profitable yeah some of it was not eventually they let my wife come and see me um and then because i, I said if i have four kids but only one of them could come at one time mm-hmm. you know so i'd be my wife and my kid one kid and then they have to take it in turns yes yeah so so in a week I, i'd see my children maybe once maybe twice, depending on yeah. whether, you know, they come. And sometimes they couldn't come because they got school or other things. Of 
Of course, yeah. yeah. So yeah, right. sometimes yeah. just my wife. It was yeah, crazy. Yeah. Then a bit later, you know, some friends were allowed. To, you know, two people were allowed to visit me. So uh, sometimes I had friends come and visit. So, wow, yeah, wow. What a, so, what an incredible story. I mean, as you're talking there, <laughs> when you said sometimes you you had no one there just with your thoughts. I mean, remind me of that. Um, is it Nelson Mandela? who yeah. was locked up for 28 years in prison. And could you imagine, just as you were saying, you know, no thoughts and sometimes, you know, whoever may have come to visit him. So that sounds so like, I mean, <laughs> food for thought, mind, mind blowing. But what I really think would be really helpful. So here you are now, today you're alive, Kevin, after a year in hospital with that rare um, disease, uh, cancer polex Alexis, if I can pronounce it properly. Um, <laughs> yes. And what is, was the turning point? Because a lot of people in that situation, you know, past can go downhill, but what is it that here you are today, you have risen, you're about, and here you are talking, sharing your story. What is it that really propelled you to help you to be where you are today and to be alive today, Kevin? That's the main thing. Today you're alive. So what, yes. can you share that with us, please? Yeah, well, the the bottom line is that there were two things, three, three things. So one is that I believe in God, and God, I believe God helped me. Second, I knew deep down in my soul, it was not my time to die. This is not my time. And I knew that so, so strongly. That was, it was, um, you could tell me the, the sky was red, um, the grass was pink, whatever. And I believe you and say, yes, that's fine. But I could, I was not changing on my belief that this is not my time. I, you know, I've got more things to do. And, and my, you know, because I was a Christian and many people were praying for me as well. And I had people all over the world, hundreds, possibly even thousands of people praying for me. And, um, so I think because there were so many people, God took notice and said, okay, we'll do this. And on a practical level, I made sure I knew what day it was each day. I made an effort to know what day is it? Mm -hmm. um, you know, is it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or et cetera? And the date and everything. So I knew what it was because that, that really helps me because it, uh, at first, everything just merged into one. It was just yeah. like, you know, you know, is it weekend? Is it daytime? You know, and it was just really strange. But once I started making plans, you know, and just um, an effort to make sure I knew what day it was, things mm -hmm. changed for me as well. Um, but one of my things for me personally was that um, I had such a joy because I knew I was going to be alive and I had I I I could have very easily gone down the woe is me I'm so bad my life is so bad mm -hmm. um and get just really depressed I mean I had dark days very dark days mm -hmm. but on the whole I was I had a cheerful outlook because I knew it wasn't my time to die oh, and wow. that really helped me through things 
Oh my gosh. You know, Kevin, as you're saying that, it reminds me so much of myself because I myself, as you know, yeah. was close to death, you know, cancer, brain, yeah. tumor, you name it. And I do remember an article has um did publish my story called I Am Proof I've Survived Everything. And just what you're saying, yeah. I saw that I had a purpose. My yes. time was it wasn't ready. So this is what and I used to make jokes in the hospital with other patients, etc. So I do have such a alignment and compassion and understanding when you said that. But one thing I want to draw now: How did the people all over the world knew you were ill and were praying for you? What is it? Was was it something that was on television? How did they all come together? Because I just think the vibrations of prayers has has made such a difference too. I believe in the vibration when people come together and yeah. praying or whatever is to happen will happen and does happen so could you expand how did that the people you know who was praying for you um came together to do that well that's all down to my wife my wife asked people to pray okay. and then they asked people to pray and then all of a sudden i was having schools praying for me i was having churches praying for me i was having oh. people in different countries praying for me and a lot of these people they don't know me and I don't know them. Mm -hmm. But they was like, okay, we need to pray. And they prayed. And it wasn't just a one-time pray. They stuck with me and they prayed for months. You know, and they, they stayed and they prayed and prayed every day, every week. There was a very regular people, uh, people praying very regularly. Um, and this is all because my wife asked people to pray yeah. And it just, it just literally expanded. It just blew up. You know, I mean, people oh. were just praying. And then, then all of a sudden, they would say, okay, well, we need to pay for Kevin. And yes, yes. And then when somebody else they'd pass on. Then it's, okay, we need to pay for this guy, Kevin, in, in England. Mm. And um, they did a video, and I, I was in tears because I oh had a really, really bad day. It's on a mm. Saturday. I had a very bad day. And I was like, it was one of my dark days. And I was really upset and I was crying. I was upset and I was like, oh, you know, you go through the woe is me sort of thing. I mean, you know, everything was so bad. Um, and then Sunday, my wife brought it in the computer and we watched a video of people from around the world just saying, sending me messages, uh, sending me prayers and... Uh, so I was in tears, but this time it was tears of joy. Of course, of <laughs> course, was, you know. Yes. And I was yeah. so, so um, overwhelmed because of yes. all that love and all that support that I was getting from people who I didn't even know, but they prayed for me regularly. Oh. That is such a yeah, that is such a beautiful awareness because you see the vibrations of our thoughts, of our prayers, it sends ripples throughout the world. Yes. People, you know, yeah. and that is the effect. If we can all get together, together as one, we can create such a beautiful world, you know, peace with each other, yes. etc. So here's what you're saying, Kevin. And it, it is a reality. It is a reality, our thoughts how we can come together and create such a magnificent, peaceful world, just as you said, what has happened to you, to you. So now that is occurring. When now did you see the, I, I call it the bright light. When now, you know, whatever the doctors have done and you now feeling this um, awareness of life and this happiness that you know it's not your turn and you are going to come out there shining as light to make a difference, to fulfill the purpose that you felt in your heart. When did this actually happen? How many months later? 
how did you manage to come out of the hospital to be where you are now? Well, let me tell you this, the weekend, I had a very bad weekend. I, my legs bled out from three different places and my side, my leg just bleeding. And they, they bled out. No, so the, the condition calciphylaxis, the mortality rate is 98%. Mm -hmm. And yes, it did kill me. I died twice. Uh, maybe more, but at least to my knowledge, you know, twice. And this weekend was one of those times I died. Yes. And I was just bleeding out. And we're talking rivers of blood. We're talking horror story, slasher movie, rivers of blood, biblical level of plague blood. And, you know, they just, Friday, Saturday and Sunday, nothing they did could stop the bleeding. And they, they were using nappies. They were using bandages. They were using anything and everything they could get to stop the bleeding. Mm. And at some point in that weekend, they gave me five pints of blood. The mm. human body only takes 10 pints of blood. So that's how much I lost. You know, I lost at least half of my blood. And, you know, so they put in 10 pints, oh, sorry, five pints of blood in me. Um, because I was losing so much and you know, I just couldn't have any more. But during that time, I was, I was bleeding out physically, but I was in the, I was in the spirit realm. I wasn't in my body. I wasn't, when it, you know, some people say I, I was floating over my body. That yeah. wasn't me. <laughs> and, um, and in one sense, I didn't see a bright light. Mm -hmm. but I was out of my body. I was in the spirit realm. Yes. And I could see what was going on. Yes. I knew that I was bleeding. I knew that there were three places where I was bleeding on my right side. Mm -hmm. I, I, knew, I knew how serious it was. I knew it was very dangerous and the blood was just coming out and people were trying to stop it. But I was at so much peace and I was watching this. I was aware of what was going off, but I wasn't scared. I knew, I knew it was dangerous, but I wasn't scared. Mm -hmm. I was relaxed and I had so much peace. And again, that belief that I'm not going to die. Mm -hmm. You know, I will live. Wow. And I also found out at the same time that one of my friends in Paris, France, who was praying for me, they had a, a vision of me. They saw me leaving my body mm -hmm. and going before God. Mm. And everything was just wonderful and glorious. <laughs> and and they were, I was told, you know, this is not your time. Yes. You know, you, I've still got more things to do. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and yeah, that, mm -hmm. so that came back and then I just, and then, you know, they saw me come back into, into my body. Mm -hmm. And for me, it finished with, I was like, okay, I need to sleep now and I need to rest. 
So I just went to sleep, and then when I woke up on the Monday morning, um, I, physically I was tired, exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, my legs were all bandaged up. Yes. Um, but it's really interesting because medically, they did everything possible. But as soon as they stopped and they like, there's nothing else we can do. They told my wife, Katie's going to die, you know, prepare. And, and I did die, but, you know, they said, like, you know, it's not going to come through this. Mm. And, <laughs> yeah, so they told my wife that. So mm. I woke up Monday morning and I was tired, but at the same time I was exhilarated because yeah. I was so full of life. And I knew it's like, yeah. And that, that weekend was such a turning point. Um, physically, the skin started to heal mm-hmm. um, from that point. Um, everything changed at that point, and that was a massive turning point in my life um, and my time then. Yes. It was amazing. Thank you. Yes. yes. You know, you're sharing a story very similar to what I've been through. I had a negative yeah. experience also. And exactly some of the things that you just said. Yes, you come out you know, in a trauma, you know, sort of confused, but later on you just felt that peace, yes. that on confusion, no more fear of living yeah. or dying. This is how I look at it when I reflect back as to my um, situation. Um, but it's such an empowering story that you're sharing here. And I'm sure many people who have been through similar things really could understand where, where your heart is and what you're coming um, coming from. We have yeah. about nine minutes, or, well, eight minutes left. So what I would yeah. like um, for you to really do now, now that you're here today, you know, today you're alive. After, you know, you're healed and you're after that, you died after, um, twice and you're, you're alive here today. What is it now that you are doing? What is it now that you're really feeling at your heart that you're making a difference to be here today to, and serving your purpose? Well, my perspective changed because these things were important to me before, but after this, it became even more important. They became the main main focus because afterwards, my wife was fixing my socks and I was like, why are you doing this? This is not important. I have socks. I don't have socks. They're straight. They're, They're up, they're down. It really doesn't matter. What matters is family, friends. You know, that's what mattered. And that was my focus then. And that's my focus now. Um, well, two focuses. One is to share my story. Yes. Also to share that, you know, we need to be focusing on the things that matter. Because we waste so much time on socks or um, going to the shop or, you know, just stuff that is not important. And we really need to focus on family, spouse, husband and wife or children, um, extended families, friends, and build up those relationships, fix those relationships, say sorry if we need to, you know, go and live life again. Don't just sort of, you know, sort of like, okay, I'm going through life and I'm surviving. We're not here to survive, we're here to live live abundant life and have a life not just sort of oh. um you know um i'm trying to think of the words but 
just sort of mope through life and just trudge through life. That's not what we're here for. We are here to enjoy life. Yeah, we're going to have hard times. Yes, we're going to have down times when it's difficult. Yes, we can have times when we're sad and upset, but let's set our heart to the setting of enjoying life and, uh, and live our lives, not just waste it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, I, I agree with you 100%, you know, because I yeah. look at today, today I'm alive, you know, in this moment of time to enjoy, you know, to be peace, say, say sorry if you've done something to a um, person, you know, have that tolerance, be mindful. These are the things yeah. that we can put these things together, how, you know, the world would be such a better place. But just as you're saying, people are running a race, a competition, authority, whatever. I yes. mean, that is so much energy that we waste uh, time. And now because we have all this digital um, world, you know, we have become so dehumanized. I use the word. Yeah. You know? Yes. I don't know. You, do you agree with me there? I totally agree. We, we see movies of zombies, but I mean, that they're all sort of um, movie, movie eyes, whatever, if that's the right word. But mm-hmm. in reality, people are zombies. They're, they're not existing, they're not living. They just sort of uh, go through life. And also, I want, just want to say very quickly, if you hold a grudge, man, that takes so much energy to hate people or hold a grudge. Mm-hmm. Let it go and forgive. Release that love, release that forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we don't have time to hate people. Uh, you know, we, we really do need to be building up relationships. Yes, and yes, good. we're... People are dehumanized. We are desensitized because we are bombarded every day with stuff in movies, in games, in the newspapers, the news, even in the news. Mm -hmm. I mean, the news has changed so much over the years and now we see such visual images. But if we can get our, our soul back, get our humanity back, and not just give it away, you know, um, but get it back and live. I think that was what we need to be doing. That's right, Kevin. I agree with you 100%. And this is why I'm doing what I'm doing, sharing my story, just like you said, you're yes. sharing your story, to make a difference in this world. Whatever we have been through, the darkness, the trauma, the pain, or whatever, how we can really release that and rise above and live this joyful, happy life. But before we uh, we we get to the end, um, Kevin, as time is zooming off, I would like yeah. to ask you a question that I usually ask my guests. Now, when you hear the word "today I'm alive," what does it say to you? Could you just share with the audience before we make our exit? Thank you very much, um, Kevin. Share today you're alive. What does that make impact on you? Uh, for me, it means that I am grateful to be alive. I I don't. Um, take my life for granted. I am mm-hmm. very thankful that I'm alive. Um, I thank God. I thank my family. Um, I want to spend time with my family. I want to be there for them as much as I can. Um, and I want to live my life in ways that I can. So, for example, I'm going to, I'm looking into taking flying lessons because I want to experience new things. So it's like, okay. I didn't do that before. Let's do it now. I want to. I want to live. So I want to try new things. I want to be. I want to feel that being alive, that that energy of being alive. Oh, um, but it's yeah, doing doing it with family. Oh, thank I you, thank you. 
Yes. Oh, well, we're just coming to the end now. And I have to say, Kevin, it's been such a joy. You know, I mean, you know, my heart is so touched that, that what you shared with us. And I'm sure many people. So, Kevin, you know, I'm so happy you're here today, present, to share your story because people need to hear those stories. The people who have been through such trauma and feel like there is no end to it, but there is. And people like yes. us and people like you yes, are here is. to tell that true story. So, thank you. Thank you very much, um, Kevin, for being on the show. It's, you know, you can thank say you. whatever you want to say before we clock off. It, it's been a joy meant for you. Share it with me. <laughs> so, it's, uh, people, we do have a lot of things happen, happen to us, but one, we're not alone. And two, we can face this even with joy and laughter. Um, and no matter what we go through, that time will pass and better times will come. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. My name is Margaret Aberdeen. Tune in next week for another rocketing episode of The Day I'm Alive. Share with your friends and family and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. To hire me for talks and events, please email me at info at margaretaberdeen.com Today I'm alive Today I'm alive And I'm feeling good Good